Hey everyone, my name is Kurt Gray, and welcome to the Toya Christian Fellowship Podcast. To give online, see upcoming events, or see our service times, please visit our website at tcf.church. Amen. Uh, I'm not preaching this morning, Dad is, um, but earlier this week, uh, Dad sat down with me, and we we're just going over his message, going over his notes. And ever so often, you know, you'll get a message that is like just straight from the throne of God. God will just, you'll read a story, and God will just put something in your heart, and you'll think, oh my gosh, how have I never seen this? How have I never heard this before? And this is one of those messages, right? This isn't just one of those typical, oh, it's Sunday, I've had my coffee, we sang some songs, I'm kind of tired, what's for lunch? I hope El you know, Camino's not too crowded. Okay, this is one of those that you're going to want to, you know, you're going to want to sit up, you know, like ground zero when I get up to preach. I'm like, all right, everybody sit up, you know, eyes up here and hands in your lap, right? This is one of those kind of messages. Uh, all of the notes are on the YouVersion Bible app. You want to get that out and you want to hit save because you want to go back and look at these notes. This is amazing, amazing stuff. Don't miss it. Don't be distracted, right? If there's a crying baby, right, a cricket, uh, a truck driving by, just be like, I'm focused, right, right here. I'm focused. Let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for this word that you've given, Pastor. We thank you that it's straight from your lips to our ears, Father God. I pray that we would hear your words, that our hearts would be open, our ears would be open. Father, right now in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, Satan, we resist you. We resist darkness. I resist distraction and division, Father God, and I pray that we would hear the voice of the shepherd loud and clear this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Praise God. First off, thanks for being here. Amen. I'm so grateful that you took time uh, out of whatever you were doing this weekend uh, to be in God's house. It's my second week, and we're talking about miracles. And uh, we found out last week that we serve a miracle-working God, and that God is, this, is, God's not the guy that used to be in the miracle business. He's still in the miracle business. And there's the miracle of salvation, miracles of healing, miracles of deliverance. And I just so want to stir your heart again this morning that you can believe God for a miracle. You can trust God for a miracle. It's not something God used to do. It's not like we were born in the wrong time or the wrong dispensation. The scripture says Jesus is the same. He's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he will be the same tomorrow. I want to start you on a story this morning out of the Old Testament book of Daniel. Israel has a king, and they are not obeying God. They're being disobedient to God. There is a neighboring nation called Babylon, and the king of Babylon is named Nebuchadnezzar. And he gathers his army, and he goes into Israel. He goes to Jerusalem, and they sack the city of Jerusalem. They besiege it, and they take it over. They overrun it. God allows Israel to be defeated because they have not been obeying God. And Nebuchadnezzar is used by God to bring judgment on Israel. When the king gets there, they gather up people, and here's what they decide. They decide we're going to take the best and the brightest from Israel back to Babylon. 
So they get the young people, they get the educated, they get those who know about science, they get those who know about religion, they get the best and the brightest, and they take them back to Babylon. They leave the old, they leave the too young, they leave the sick, basically what they deem as the trash of the culture, they leave them in Israel and they take everybody else with them. Now, not only do they defeat the nation of Israel, but they glean, they cherry pick, if you will, the future, the best and the brightest. When they get them to Babylon, they put them in a three-year training program. And that training program is to prepare them to serve the king in Babylon. And four young men that are in that training, I bet most of you have heard of. One of them is named Daniel. And he's the guy that was in the lion's den. That happened in Babylon. Then he had three good friends whose names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, Daniel had a Hebrew name. That is his Hebrew name. And the king changed his name to Belshazzar. The other three men had Hebrew names, and the king changed their names to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They go through a three-year training program, and then they're placed in positions of leadership. Now, they are slaves, all right? They don't get transferred to a better job. Their nation has been overrun by the enemy. They've been taken as slaves into a foreign land, and they're serving at the discretion of a king who owns them. But in the midst of that, God's grace is on their life. Now, God does not deliver them from slavery, but in the midst of that slavery, excuse me, God is on their life. Well, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and that dream troubles him. And he doesn't know what it means. He doesn't know uh, what, what's going on. Have you ever had a dream and you thought, you know, uh, you know, preacher's dreams are there. My, my nightmares, I'm preaching in my underwear, okay? I've got my whitey tidies on. I've just ruined the service for you, haven't I? Yeah, you looked up here when I said that and you thought, oh, my Lord, pastor. Okay, all right. So, so he's had a dream, not like that, okay? He's had a troubling dream. And so he gathers his scientists the astrologers, those involved in witchcraft, and he gathers them and brings them to the palace. And here's what he says. He says, hey, guys, I had this troubling dream, and I want you to interpret it for me. And they say, great, oh, mighty king. You know, they're kind of brown-nosing a little bit, you know. Oh, great, mighty king, we'll do it. They said, tell us, tell us the dream. And the king says, no, you guys are supposed to know about all this. You tell me the dream. Tell me what I dreamed. Then after you tell me what I dreamed, tell me what it means. Well, they say, we can't. He says, well, if you can't, I'm going to kill you. No pressure, right? So they tell him, king, that's impossible. Well, he begins to be true to his word. He gathers all these men together, and he begins to execute them, literally kill them. In that group is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they're part of that noble court. Somebody goes to Daniel and says, hey, the king's executing us because he had a dream and nobody knows what it means and nobody knows what it, what it was. So Daniel and the three Hebrew boys get together and they pray. That's, that's a good key right there. They pray and they say, hey, God, show us what the dream was. Well, God shows them. 
Daniel goes to the palace, goes to the king, and says, hey, I can tell you not only what you dreamed, but I can tell you what it means. And that's exactly what he does. Well, the king is so impressed that they are promoted into a greater place of power and authority. And for a while, everything goes really well. Then Nebuchadnezzar decides that he is going to build an idol. And this idol is going to be made of gold. It's going to be 90 feet tall and nine feet wide at the base. And he is going to set it up in a plain, probably a lot like West Texas, a lot like right where we live. And he gathers everybody in Babylon and he says, I've got a group of musicians and they're going to play on their instruments. And when they do, you're all going to bow and you're all going to worship my idol. Now, not only are they worshiping an idol, but they're worshiping Nebuchadnezzar at the same time. And here's what he says. If you won't, you're going to burn. I've got a fiery furnace, and I'm going to stoke it up, and I'm going to throw you in it. So two things are going to happen. You're going to bow, or you're going to burn. You're going to bow, or you're going to burn. Well, of course, the three Hebrew children don't bow. They are true to their Hebrew God, Jehovah which is our God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they don't bow. Well, some Chaldeans go to the king and they say, hey, mighty king, they're kind of brown-nosing again. They say, hey, we found these Jewish boys and they won't bow. And he says, you go get them. So they go get them and they bring them to the palace. And he threatens them. And he says, listen, I'm gonna give you one more chance. Now, remember, they'd already done something great for him. He knows them. They're not strangers, They've been promoted. He says, listen, you're going to bow or you're going to burn. And that's where we're going to begin to read in the Bible about this story. I'm going to start in Daniel 3, starting with verse 15. It'll be on the screen. Let me start. Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn... The flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery. In symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I've made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Who is the God? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Notice the next three words. But if not. But if not. Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Now, I want to make the first very powerful point. They tell the king who's threatened them, we're not going to bow. We believe God will deliver us. We believe God will do a miracle. But if not, Listen, our obedience is not based on whether he does 
what we want. Our obedience is based on our love for him. Even if he doesn't deliver us, we won't bow. God is our deliverer. But a lot of times we want him to be our preventer. You know what I'm saying? Hey, how come God let it get this far? How come they've been threatened? How come there's a fire being built? How come they're threatened to be thrown into the fire? God, at any point in this process, couldn't he have done something? Couldn't he have stopped this? And the answer is absolutely he could. But here's what I know about God. He loves to show off. Have you ever gotten in trouble when you were a kid for showing off? Your father, that's in your heart, right? Your father loves to show off. Their obedience was not based on God doing what they thought they needed him to do. Now, let's just take a moment right here. And I'm not picking on anybody. Just want to make you aware. A lot of times in our walk with God, we can become fair-weather Christians. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, as long as everything is going my way, as long as God is answering my prayer, as long as my life is moving along pretty smoothly, I'm a happy, good Christian. But if things don't go my way, if I see some trouble in my life, whether it's in my marriage or my health or my children, when things don't go my way, then the bets are off. All right, I'm not going to bow. Well, we don't bow until things don't go our way. So if you know anything about the story, because they won't bow, the king sends the men to stoke the fire and make it red hot. Now, if you've ever been camping or have a fireplace at your house, uh, there's nothing more fun than building a fire, campfire, and getting the poker and putting it in the fire. Have you ever done that? And you leave it in there until it's glowing red hot. I've got a fireplace at my house, and I've got that little poker. And, And, you know, have you ever heard that saying? You put the poker in the fire, and the fire will get in the poker, right? Okay, there's nothing more fun than doing that. And you pull it out and it's red hot. And if you're like me and, and Corbin, you get in trouble pretty quickly because I'm looking for somewhere to put that on, right? I need to brand something or somebody, right? I've watched the rifleman too many times growing up. And so, you know, so pretty quickly you're in trouble. All right, this fire is red hot. The men take them, they bind their hands, they bind their feet, and when they open, and I don't know what the, the, the uh, furnace looked like. I, you can only imagine in your mind. But when the men threw them into the fire, it was so hot, the men who threw them in were consumed. The men who threw them in were caught on fire and died just by opening whatever they did and by throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, they're, they're killed. That's how hot it is. Now, we're going to go to a different scripture I'm going to go down to Daniel 3, 24, and listen to what happens. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste, and he spoke. And he said to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, O true king, look, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Don't miss that. The counselor says to the king, that looks a lot like the Son of God. 
He's called in Scripture the fourth man. His name is Jesus. Jesus is in every book of the Bible, Old Testament through to the end of the New Testament. Jesus is our Savior, our Redeemer, our brother, our deliverer. He's whatever you need him to be. They needed him to deliver them from the fire, and he was there with them in the fire. Now listen, Kirk preached this a couple of years ago. I think he preached it in Ground Zero, and I know he preached it in church. God didn't deliver them out of the fire. He was with them in the fire. And in the fire, they were delivered. They weren't burned. The Bible says when they drug them out, they didn't smell like smoke. Oh, by the way, the bonds on their wrists and feet had been burned off, but their clothes weren't singed. Their hair wasn't singed. And it says in scripture, they didn't smell like smoke. Jesus was there with them in the fire. Listen, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. Whatever fire you're in and you're thinking to yourself this morning, God, why don't you deliver me? Why don't you be my preventer instead of my deliverer? Why don't you make all this go away? You know what he's saying? I'm with you right there, right now in whatever you're facing. Now, here's the question. We're talking about miracles. How come they didn't burn up? Now, we know they didn't burn up because God moved. God supernaturally protected them. But I want to show you a couple of interesting things that the Holy Spirit showed me that I believed allowed them to be delivered from the fire. Here's the first one. Those young men were hotter on the inside than the fire was on the outside. They were hotter on the inside than the fire was on the outside. They had passion. Listen, passion is a choice, not a feeling, not an emotion, not a condition. It's not something you stir up. Passion is always a choice. Listen, they had passion for the living God. They had a fire on the inside of them twice as hot as the physical fire around them. Listen, the passion on the inside of you always draws and secures God's presence into your life. Here's what the New Testament says. It says he inhabits the praises of his people. We have such a great band. My gosh, they're talented and gifted. And when we come in this place and we start with praise and worship, and we've talked about it, it's not the preliminaries. It's not till we get to what's more important. We're here to worship God. And when you look at the screen and you sing the words and you turn your internal heart toward God and you lift your voice to the living God, when you lift your hands to the living God, when you as an act of surrender raise your hands and say, Father, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my marriage to you. I surrender my children to you. God inhabits that. Those men were on fire for God, and when they were thrown in the physical fire, the Lord Jesus Christ was drawn to them, and he inhabited that place with them. Now, thank God, hopefully, none of you are facing a physical fire. 
But I know from across this room that many of you have mountains, many of you have fires in your life, many of you have things that you're facing that have the potential to burn you up. I mean, whether it's your marriage, your health, your finances, your job, all of us have things, our children, our grandchildren. Listen, when you're on fire on the inside, it draws God to your life. Now, I'm not asking you that crazy. Seriously, I'm, I'm not saying that you have to do something that's going to embarrass you because that's not the heart of God. It's never been the heart of God. It can be as simple as an adjustment on the inside. God, I turn my heart toward you. Listen, you being here this morning is proof that you have a heart for God or you'd be out doing something else. And here's what happens. It stirs that passion on the inside of you and it secures his presence. Jesus was with him. Listen, church, Jesus is with you. Whatever it is you're facing, he's right there in the fire with you. You know, when I had my heart surgery and I'm laying on that gurney bed, whatever you want to call that thing, and they're wheeling me back, you know, you know, you're laying flat on your back and you can see the lights in the ceiling tile. And you know, if you know anything about operating rooms, they're about 40 degrees. I don't know why they're so cold, but man, they're freezing. You know, you get back into those rooms and you're laying down, you're vulnerable. You you know, it's, it's terrible. It's crazy. It's terrible. I'm scared to death. And so they wheeled me back into that room. But here's what I knew in my heart. Jesus is here with me. I had surgery one time and a nurse, I didn't even know her, came up to my bed and she touched me with her hand and she looked at me and she said, I want you to know you're not alone. Oh my gosh. Talk about encouraging. Talk about, oh man. It was just like, oh my gosh. It felt so good to hear those words. Whatever furnace you're facing, Jesus is with you. Now, let me show you a couple of simple things. God is all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's all-present. We would all agree with that. And so any circumstance of life that you're in, he brings all three of those things. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's all-present. In my own personal life, when I went into that operating room, he was there with me. And he was all powerful, he's all present, and he's all knowing. Can I encourage you in two areas? Area number one, invite Jesus into every circumstance or situation you're in. Invite him in. It's that simple. Invite him in. If I went to your home and knocked on the door, if I went to Kevin's house and knocked on the door, somebody would come to the door and they would invite me in. All of us would do that. If you knocked on my door this afternoon, I'll invite you in. Jesus wants to be invited in. Here's the second thing. Recognize he's there. Okay, Jesus is invited in and he's there in every situation and every circumstance and he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's all-present and he brings all three of those into your situation. Now, we're talking about miracles this morning, and we're talking about passion. How do I see miracles in my life, Pastor? By simply stirring the passion on the inside of you. Remember what I said? It's a choice. You see, it's not, it's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not a condition. It's a choice. Okay, how do I do that? Now, I've got good news. Seriously. 
you are stirring that passion by being here this morning. You got up, you got prepared, and you brought yourself to the house of God. Many of you entered into worship. Many of you came up for prayer. Now you're hearing the word of God. You are stoking the fire on the inside of you. Here's the next thing you can do. Just take a few minutes every day and read your Bible. It's hard to be a Christian and not read your Bible. Let me say it again. It's hard to be a Christian and not read your Bible. Take a few moments each day and read the scripture. Take a few moments each day and talk to God. Talk to him like you would a good friend. Talk to him like you would anybody else. Listen, I start my day each morning with a good hot cup of coffee, with my Bible in my notebook. I read some scripture. I talk to Jesus, and I go take a walk outside. You may not have time for that. You may have to do it differently than me. You may have to do it at lunch. You may have to do it at night. I don't know when you do it. But every single day, if you'll take time to read the scripture, take time to talk to God, come to church regularly, you know what you're doing? Well, you're stoking the fire. And passion draws God. Now listen, he's not measuring it. That's not his heart. And that's not, I don't want you to get that idea. Okay, many of us can move into that, right? I'm not doing enough. I'm not reading enough. I'm not praying enough. That's not the heart of God. It just simply means I'm turning my heart towards you. Now here's what happened. And I know you know the rest of the story. They drug them out of the fire, and the king was blown away, and they got promoted again. God delivered them. God did a miracle in their life. God wants to deliver you. God wants to do a miracle in your life, and God wants to promote you. That's what happened to them. They were delivered, and they were promoted How did it happen, Pastor? It happened God's way. How did it happen God's way? They were on fire on the inside. Now, here's what I know about passion. Every single one of you in here have passion for something. You do. Every one of you do. Every one of you have a fire on the inside of you. It may be for family. It may be for grandkids. It may be for softball. uh, It may be for work. I don't know what it is. I mean, every single one of you have passion on the inside of you. See, you don't come here and say, well, I don't have any passion. No, every one of you have passion for something. Every one of you have something you're interested in, something you care about. My heart this morning is that you'll kindle the passion on the inside of you for God. And as you do, it draws his presence. It draws his presence. And it brings his love. It brings his grace. And it brings his miracles. And just like they were delivered, you'll be delivered. Just like they were promoted, you'll be promoted. Amen? All right, stand to your feet. Let me pray for you. Praise God. Could you just take a moment and just close your eyes? Just for privacy. Not, we're not trying to be religious. Just close your eyes and let me pray a blessing over you. Father God, I want to thank you for the families that are here this morning. And oh, Father God, I want you to stir a passion in their hearts that they would want you more than they ever have before, that there would be a fire on the inside of us hotter than any fire around us, and that we would draw near to you, and as we do, you would draw near to us. Father, fill our hearts with passion. Fill our hearts with fire.
and that we would be drawn and stirred towards you. Father, bless our homes, our marriages, our children, our families, our grandchildren, our jobs. Father God, our community, your grace is on us. And I'm incredibly thankful for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, I love you. Y'all go and be blessed and have a great rest of your weekend. 